praise the Lord. So uh, if I left now, I'd do pretty good. So all the, all the goods that are here. So uh, my dear wife is trying to get here. She um, had an event. She's a director of the widow's ministry that we have at the church over in Scottsdale. And and uh, as you wouldn't know, as you can imagine, this happened to be a crisis week for some of the widows. And uh, so she's trying to meet with them after service that ended around 9.15, I mean 10.15. And uh, so she's trying to get out here. So uh, if I see her walk through the door, I will stop everything, hand her the mic, and tell her to finish. So uh, I always used to kid at the church and tell them that everything that I preach is always just written out by, the, by my wife. And I'll ask her, did I do a good job? Did I read it just like you wrote it? So, But anyways, God bless you all. This is such a blessing to be here today. The last time I was in this building when Pastor Eddie Paul, who also was a pastor at our church, had the church going here for years, and, and uh, I talked to him this week, as a matter of fact, and I said, guess where I'm speaking? He said, yeah, the, the word's out. He says that you're going to be back at the church, and I said, it's such a blessing, and uh, boy, I look around, and know so many people, and, and um, you, you're just great folks, and Dan, and, and Pastor Dan, excuse me, Pastor Dan, and Pastor Joy, um, you guys are, have always been a blessing, always such a great blessing at the church, and to see God bless your lives, and to see the church grow, and build, and, and this is such a pretty facility, such a nice facility, it really is, and kind of reminds me of where we started in the air park in Scottsdale, and we got a big warehouse building and didn't have any money to put anything in it. So I went to the guy who was ungodly, unsaved, uh, and worshipped money instead of God, and I said, could you do me a favor? And he said, what's that? I said, could you give me about $250,000 so I can remodel the inside of the church, put down carpet, do all those things? And he looked at me, he went, yeah. He said, I don't know why I'm saying that. I said, I do. And so the uh, Bible says um, that he'll, <coughs> he'll bless his people. Amen. And uh, so God did that. And now God's done the same for you here as you have a beautiful blessing here, beautiful facilities. And, you know, you guys are so gracious. As soon as I walked through the door, I had a couple books that I was bringing in, and uh, and I was immediately met, you know, can I take that from you? And I said, yeah, sure, you know, and and and, and do you want coffee? Do you want this? Do you want that? Uh, what do you need? And, and even while I'm sitting there, people walking up to me and saying, here's your water, here's this, whatever. Well, you guys are doing it right, you know, so, uh, but uh, it's been such a blessing for that. You're so loving, and I feel so welcome, and it's such a warm feeling to be with God's people. All you got to be is with one person who loves the Lord, and you feel like you're with family, right? You know, you go into a restaurant, or you go, I'm, of course, one of these guys that goes to a coffee shop or something. I don't say Starbucks, because then people afterwards will come to me and say, do you know what they do? And so I don't say that anymore. I just say coffee. So I go get a coffee wherever it is, and I love to stand in line. And when I get in line, I like lines, because it gives you a chance to talk to people. And I'll be standing there, and there'll be some guy looking at his watch, and I'm going, I'd say, you know, I said, that, I know they're kind of busy. I said, you know, I'm just glad to be alive. Yes. And he goes, he says, what? I said, yeah, well, eight years ago, I was diagnosed with incurable cancer, bone marrow cancer, and given six months to live. That was eight years ago. And he's going, what happened? I said, Jesus healed me. And when that starts, the conversations there, many times I'll wind up getting to go have coffee with that person out of line, don't even know them, because when, and then when you share about the love of Christ, and you tell people about how much God loves us and cares for us, it's catchy, it's contagious, right? So with that, I'm going to start off not by selling books, because 
I don't sell books. I write a lot. I've written seven books in the last eight years, and, uh, uh, but I give them away. And the reason I give them away, and some people say, well, it doesn't show any value in your books if you give them away. And I've been asked that at churches, at people. But the problem I've got is I got people forcing me to take money to buy all the books I possibly need. Last year, I was given $20,000 to buy books and send them around to veterans, to churches, and anybody that needs financial training and all that. The year before that, I got $20,000. And I just got a letter the other day. A guy said, I want to give you another $20,000 this year. It's a new year, and it's a new tax write-off year. And I said, come on, get those tax write-offs coming. So, <laughs> so I'm able to literally give away all the books and all the materials I have because I never have to pay for anything. And but I we have a table back there and in the back there's some books and, and there's one that is a special book that I really like a lot because I was a Vietnam veteran. By the way, would all of our veterans please raise your hand? If you're a veteran here, just one or two or three or four of you, would you stand up? I want to honor you. Come on, stand up. I want to honor you. Thank you for your service. Welcome home. God bless you all so very much. I have books that I wrote for veterans, and I have a couple of there, and I have a couple here, and I would like to, uh, well, here, let me just give you one here. I'll give you this story right here, and that's the story of Vietnam before, during, and after. It has to do with my wife and I. We were dating. Uh, we decided to get married. We got married, and two weeks later, I found out I was being sent to, look who just showed up in the house. <laughs> Okay, honey, you take over. Here. <laughs> uh, by the way, all those gifts and flowers and all kinds of stuff are yours, by the way. I was already told I'm not allowed to eat the chocolate. So anyways, <laughs> secondly, I have another book uh, that I wrote on Vietnam. And there's a gentleman in the back. You're Lieutenant Colonel, weren't you? I want to give you this book. It's a story of how to help veterans with PTSD and Agent Orange problems. God bless you, buddy. Thank you for your service. And, and there's a few more out there. In addition to that, um, if you're having, would like to know a little bit more, how, like, how many people here want to be debt free? Well, I have been for almost all my life. And it's because God taught me a principle. I cannot give him. And whatever I give to him, he gives it back, pressed down, shaking together, running over. So I've written a couple of books on finances. This is my newest one. It's entitled Experience the Joy of Debt-Free Living. There's a bunch of them out at the book, ta book table. If you want a book and you don't, can't afford it, just take one. I said one. Take one so other people can get one. And if you can afford it, then please make a donation to this church, to your church, and I want you to have all those funds, whatever comes in, whether it be $100 or $10,000. Well, maybe if it's that much. Anyways, um, I want you to have it. So this is a book that will take you step by step on how to get out of debt. How many people would like to have this book? And Okay, look at that. Well, I saw that hand just shoot straight up right there. So I want you to have that. And I really believe that God will bless you in it. And then I can't give this in a way because I'm going to preach from it. Today's topic is entitled Generosity, and then here's the hard part. Some of you will turn me off as soon as I give you the, the balance of the title. Generosity, what's in it for me? I'm going to tell you there's something amazing in it for us when we're generous. So, well, let's get started here. I've already wasted most of my time just making announcements and whatever, but I do want to thank Pastor Dan and Pastor Joy again for having us here 
and Ken and all you guys that just been so kind and so welcoming to us today. Um, let's pray before we get in. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. I pray now that you would bless this message. And Father, I, as Ken came to me and said, what do you need today? I said, I need an anointing. <laughs> so now, Father, I ask that your anointing would come down and speak through me. Use me in any way you desire. If you want me to speak on what I have here, then so be it. But if you don't, and you want me to throw it in the trash, Lord, I know you'll replace it with something that's needed for these people. Bless it and use it for your glory, and that through everything it's said, Father, may it lift you up, glorify your name, and you'll receive all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody said, amen. amen. So the title is called Generosity, What's In It For Me? Now, some people might think, boy, that's a self-serving title. It, it sounds self-serving. And, and in reality, it, 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 it is not. And I'll tell you why it's not. Because when we are generous, God will bless us, right? And if we understand what's in it for me, we'll understand that it's to be blessed, but not... We don't give so that we can get money, but because we give, we will get finances and blessings and prosperity in our life, right? And so with that, I'm not a prosperity preacher, but I do believe in prosperity because God's word tells us about it. But I believe in spiritual prosperity should come before financial prosperity. Because if you flip it backwards, you're in a mess. We want to have, I think God held back great financial blessing from me because I wasn't spiritually ready for it. And then all of a sudden, when I finally got things straightened out and realized God had to be first in our finances. All of a sudden, then the financial prosperity started coming in. And then I knew how to deal with it and how to handle it so it would bless the kingdom. So the title it does seem a little bit self-serving, but certainly it's not. And I'll prove that to you in, through, a, through a number of ways. One, generosity blesses the giver more than the receiver. That's what that's saying. Generosity means I know I'm going to get blessed. Acts 20, verse 35, Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to what? Receive. Receive. That's the reason that title is there. Luke 6, 38, Jesus said, give and it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, quite frankly, more than enough. And I can tell you, I'm not boasting so that you can say, oh boy, he's doing, you make a lot of money. But I have never lacked in my finances since I started tithing. We were Christians for about six months, went to church, Assembly of God Church, an old Pentecostal preacher who would spend uh, he spent 30 minutes taking the offering. He would spend 10 minutes preaching and 45 minutes giving the altar call. And I thought, let's see, if I got the th things in priority, he, he put leading people to Jesus, number one, right? And the word, very important. But he also had a major, major desire to teach people about giving and that they should give. And he was right to do that because, quite frankly, press down, shaking together, running over means you got more than enough. You know, just think about it. If I gave you some money, and, and then I said, I'm going to keep giving you and pressing it down. I'm going to shake it up and push it together even more and pack it down some more and pack it down some more and put a brick on it and let it sit and pack it and pack it. It wouldn't look like you've got more, but you've got more because God, that's how he blesses. Uh, generosity is far more than just money. Boy, there should be a good amen on that one. The reality of it is, is because we need to be generous with our time, right? Our talents, our love, we need to be generous with our love. 
people come to church and they say, I don't have any friends. And I usually tell them, have you been friendly? <laughs> right? Because you're not going to have any friends unless you're unless you're friendly. Uh, generosity is showing mercy. Now, when I think of showing mercy, I think of driving my car. And some of you do the same thing. The other day, I'm driving along, and I'm listening to, I like to listen to, I listen to Christian music. I like to listen to some of the new stuff. But my, you know, I kind of really like the oldies music. I mean, you know, I like that oldies stuff that when we were dating, and there's a song called Brown, My Brown-Eyed Girl. And I mean, that became my favorite song when I met my brown-eyed girl. And you got to realize, when we met, uh, I was the long-haired drummer in a rock band. <laughs> I was. And uh, I was the drummer, and I was the one that hit the high notes singing. You know, so I could do, Sherry, and I get up there and do that high stuff, you know. And it was corny and whatever, but it was fun. And then I met her. And all of a sudden, and we weren't Christians, and I met her, and I went home that night, and about, I don't know, I got home around 11 o'clock or something like that. She had to be home at 11. She was 19 years old. Still had to be home at 11. So I take her home, and I walk through the door, and I said, well, I found her. <laughs> found what? The woman I'm going to marry and spend the rest of my life with. It was, that was the first time I saw her, and I met her at a dance. And in those days, dances were, you couldn't smoke, they throw you out. If you cussed, they threw you out. If you wore a shirt and you untucked it, they threw you out. If you wore tennis shoes, they threw you out. You had to dress up to go to a dance. And that's what the dance was like. And when I met her, that was it. And I knew she was the one. So I, she showed mercy on me because I was an arrogant <laughs> Rock and roll drummer punk. <laughs> and uh, I thought, why wouldn't it? You said amen to that one, Sharon. So uh, and there's some things you, honey, there's some things you amen. There's certain things you just don't. So uh, anyways, we had to have generosity. We have to have generosity in getting back on track here. In giving grace to people, amen. And mercy, especially when we're driving. And Generosity in good works and generosity in forgiving. Yes. One of the saddest messages I've ever preached, and guys, this would really touch you from preaching. I preached my heart out about a message on forgiving. And I just knew that there were people, I, the Holy Spirit just showed me, even literally identified people in the church. I thought, I just have this feeling, because you could just see their responses were like, they were locked up. They just, and after church, I went to a couple and he said, Pastor, we're leaving the church. And I said, oh, I'm sorry, why? He says, because you've spoken generous, unforgiving. And I will never forget, nor will I ever forgive what my wife's parents did to us. And he was so, oh, he's so hard. And nice people volunteered everything we did. We'd serve food in the parks. He was out there, him and his wife, his family. At first, some of the hardest working people. But when that nerve hit, that besetting sin that he had was to not forgive he looked at me at tears in his eyes. She did too. She says, we have to leave. We can't possibly come back to church here again because you believe in forgiving. Well, that's sad, and, uh, but we've got to have generosity in forgiving people. Amen? Uh, the greatest act of generosity was where? John 3.16. The cross. 
God so loved the world that he was generous and gave his only son. Now, when I speak on giving, it reminds me of a giving situation I had. Now, my wife's heard this story many times, so honey, you can close your ears to this one. But I remember years ago when I, I was a real estate developer for many years. Prior to that, I was a banker, you know, for 15, 16 years. Then I was a real estate developer for 20 years and a pastor for 20 years and now a book writer for 10. I know you're adding it all up. I'm 164. So if you're, if you're wondering, I'm at least 164. But I was a real estate developer, and we were building homes and, and shopping centers and things of that nature. And it was summertime in Phoenix. And what do you do at summer times in Phoenix? You look for the thirst busters at Circle K, and now they have the, the QTs, right, and all that. But I, I would live on those things. That was terrible. I don't do, it, drink them at all anymore, but I used to live on those. I'd get two of those 44-ounce Diet Cokes every day, you know, and, uh, and then top it off with a couple of Snickers Kindly Bars and some, uh, you know, some Fritos or something. Very That's what made me the man I am today was uh, all that stuff. But anyway, so I went into the Circle K, and as I did, I saw this man sitting there, and he kind of had his hand out, and I said, is there something I can get you? And he said, yeah, kind of hungry. I said, let me, get you, let me get you a sandwich and something to drink. What would you like? And he says, well, I'd like, yes, oh, that would be awesome. He says, I like, you know, whatever, Coke or whatever. And I said, oh, okay. So I went in there, and I thought, okay, I'm going to be generous. And I got him a sandwich, and I got him a Coke, and I got him all the stuff that he said he wanted. And I walked out there. Now, this is a test of generosity. Get ready for this one. I walked up to him, and I handed him the sandwich, and I handed him the Pepsi. They didn't have Coke. Pepsi. I'm setting you up. And, uh, and then I gave him a piece of fruit or wherever it was, and he said, uh, I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> I'm Okay. Fine. So I took the, the, whatever it was, turkey sandwich or whatever, took it back, and I took the drink back. Oh, he said, by the way, I, I like Coke. I'm not a Pepsi person. I, I said, well, then, I said, well, let, let me. And he wasn't even happy with the apple, you know. And so I'm going back into the store. I was trying to be generous, trying to be kind, trying to do something. Let me ask you a question. What would you have done? <laughs> you knew Angela would say that. You knew, you knew, I'd pull the turkey off the sandwich and eat it or starve, you know. So, so I came back out and I gave him a non-meat sandwich and I adjusted the drink and adjusted the fruit and handed it to him and I said, is this okay? Oh, yeah, thanks. I mean, dirty, the guy, I felt so sorry. I said, I just want you to know that Jesus wanted me to bless you today and just give you something. I'm not expecting anything other than just a blessing uh, that you get blessed. Then I know I'll be blessed. So I got in my car and started to drive away. And here's the part that shocked me. As I drove away and I stopped, I just want to see if he was eating it. I look back, he was gone. I drove around the Circle K. He was gone. And to this day, I've wondered, Lord, did you send an angel to test me to see if I would truly be focused on giving and not be so concerned about him wondering what was in it for him? 
and then what was in it for me. What's in it for me is okay if the motives are right. But if the motives are wrong, then it certainly isn't okay. Now, let me define generosity. Um, it's sacrifice. Okay, I'm going to give you a scripture that proves that. Hebrews, another one after this one, but Hebrews 13, 16 says this. Don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. So generosity needs to be a sacrifice to please God, right? Um, by the way, it's, it's, not, um, it's not important that we understand what Webster has to say about it, Webster's Dictionary. But before I talk about Webster's Dictionary, how many people here are under 40 years of age? Get your hand up. If I ask over 40, you won't raise your hands. If I ask under 40, you'll ask your hand. Okay, you're under 40. So I'm going to have to explain to you what a dictionary is. It's not Wikipedia. It's not Google. Uh, it's not Instagram. You know, it's not TikTok. A dictionary is something that was written. It's called a book. A book. Write that up. B-O-O-K, book. And a book is something that you open and you read. Well, in the dictionary, Webster's, he was the guy that wrote it, it defines generosity as this. I love it when they use this, being generous. <laughs> Didn't that really help you? You're looking up a word, and they give you that. But then he goes on to say it's benevolence, it's unselfishness, it's liberal giving, it's lavish giving, and it's giving sacrificially. Wow. So then it's not equal giving that we need to be concerned about. It's equal sacrifice. And here's a great story. You might not have thought about in this story in the Word of God that it explains it's not equal giving, it's equal sacrifice. It's found in Luke chapter uh, 21, verses 1 through 4. The widow's offering. As he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. All right? By the way, a Jewish man, when I was a banker, a Jewish uh, customer of mine who knew I was a Christian because I was trying to get him to receive Christ, he went to Israel. And what do you think he brought back? He brought me two widow's mites. He says, I knew this would touch you. But what told me was he was touched. He was thinking about this story. I tell you the truth, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. She gave everything. When we give, do we give everything? I'm not talking about everything is in your bank, every bank account, every dollar in there. I'm not saying about that. I'm just saying, Lord, if you wanted it, it's yours. Before I started to speak today, I did something that's very important to me before I speak. And I said, Lord, I put a lot of time into getting a little message together here today. Quite a few hours. I want to be sure it's what's supposed to be. But if you want me to throw it away... And speaks something from the Holy Spirit, led of the Spirit, that a scripture takes, takes me into a different direction. And that's already happened in some of my comments today. Um, then that's what I want. Because I want to give everything to God. I want God to have everything that we have. When we went into ministry, my dear wife and I were talking about, we had a real estate development company. We are doing well. We were traveling all over the world. I mean, we take the summers and just travel. 
and come back and get into our projects and build and all that stuff. And we were blessed financially, incredibly blessed. And we were givers of the church, and we were still thankful that we could give and, and never really expected anything out of it. But then all of a sudden, the Lord says, you're done with that. You're going to now start making nothing. By the way, my first year in ministering, I got paid zero. And uh, the second year, it was going to be zero, but they decided they were going to get me support my family on $30,000 a year. Um, nothing wrong with 30000 a year, but it's kind of hard to live on that these days. But anyways, that was fine because it didn't matter. The money didn't really matter. But the bottom line was when we went into ministry, Sharon did something I thought that was so touched me so deeply. We prayed in the living room, and she said, Lord, I give you my husband. I released him to be into that church and to do everything that he possibly can the way you want him to do it. And I released him. He's yours. And, I mean, I was kind of like, really? Does this mean we're done? You know? <laughs> and, no, she was saying. And that night, she, when it comes to generosity, she had a dream. And I may have had the details a little mixed up. But, men, you understand. We tell stories one way. Women, you know, men tell stories another way. We men, we get it over quick. Women, you know, a woman, the difference between a woman and a man telling a story. You ask me, how am I doing? I said, I'm great, thanks. You ask my wife. She says, well, when I got up this morning, I pulled the covers back, the one that my aunt gave me, and I put my feet in the slippers that my husband bought, and I looked out the window that need to be washed, and I saw the bird out there, and I thank God for the bird. Get out of bed! <laughs> so... That's why I said that, because you tell the story a little differently than I do. But nonetheless, she had a dream. And some great big guy, huge guy. Now, I don't know why she'd be concerned about a big guy. I mean, I'm a very large man. As When I go into the nursery, these little kids, they... But this huge guy opened the door, and he just kind of filled all the way top. And we had a 10-foot door in the house that we were in. The front door was 10 feet tall. And I opened the door, and this guy just filled it. And he said... Um, I'm just here to find out if you're willing to give everything. We were going into ministry, right? And so he took her through the house, and she said, yeah. You can, you, furniture, yeah. Uh, the, this house, yeah. I want to give everything to you. And she's telling me this story, and I don't know what you were ironing or whatever you were doing. And uh, did I get that right? You were ironing. And so she's ironing, telling me the story, and I'm going, you had a visitation. From the, from the Holy Spirit. And that was an angel, honey. He was sent here. And she said, well, I got to the one part, and he looked at all of our art that we had collected from travels. We have this wonderful collection of art. And she said, he said, are you willing to give all the art? She says, well, on that one, I might have to check with my husband. So <laughs> she got back into reality in her dream. But I thought she was being tested on her generosity, Right? We wound up giving probably three-quarters of that away to charities anyway, so what was a big deal. But bottom line, we did. Um, there's some things I want to share with you. Now, that, before I go on, that scripture is, is so important that I read to you about the, with the widow. We don't think about the widow's might being something that teaches us about generosity, but it does. It, it's that true generosity uh, is one side of that story, but we see another kind of generosity in that story. In that story, it's called pretentious generosity. The wealthy people, Jesus said, yeah, I know, you're giving, that's fine, but that's not sacrifice. He's saying that's not generosity. 
Because that's no problem for you. You know, you can give this, but it's not a sacrifice. That, less, that teaches us, that scripture tells me that it's not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. All right. <clears throat> we don't give to get something. Once again, go back to my title, What's in it for me? Let me make this statement. We don't give to get something. We get something because we gave. That's the truth. We get something because we gave. Because provided our motives were right going in. I don't believe in this stuff. Give me a thousand bucks to my ministry and God's going to give you a hundredfold financial blessing back. The check will be in the mail tomorrow. I don't, buy, I don't buy that. I don't care for that kind of preaching. I just don't go there. But, uh, but I do know that we can't outgive God. Amen? So avoid this statement. Lord, if I do this, then will you do that? Why don't you say, Lord, why don't, will you do that? You know, I've had people come up to me with lottery tickets, and I know when I talk about this, I lose about half the church because about 50% of the church today believes in buying lottery tickets, and I don't want to see your hands. I don't want to know. But I, I, I just have a problem with them because I'd rather take that dollar and give it to the Lord then take that dollar and give it on a chance that maybe just possibly. I knew you'd be quiet when I talked about that, but that's okay. <laughs> the reason I have a problem with that is that it's conditional generosity. If we say, Lord, if you, I'll do this if you'll do that. It's like I'd have people come to me and say, Pastor, I want to give to the church, so would you pray for this lottery ticket? And if God will bless it, I'll, I'll, I'll give some of it to the church. I'm going to say, well, if you're going to give it, give it all to the church. Or don't buy it to begin with. But this, this conditional generosity or contingent generosity. There's a lot of generosity that's conditioned or contingent on something. That's not what God's looking for. The little lady that gave the two mites, she didn't give contingent generosity. She gave complete, pure generosity. You know, when I listen to TV sometimes, and you see the celebrities get up, and there's a phrase that, that I really dislike, and I know some of you may love it, and that's okay. It's okay that you disagree with me. Uh, I'm not asking for an offering anyway, so um, <laughs> when they make the statement, I'm doing all this because it's a labor of love. There's just something hollow about that, because they've got all the TV lights on them, all the people talking about how generous they are, and yet in reality, they're doing it because of boasting, bragging, and they have the wrong um, attitude towards the whole thing. Who leaves a legacy of generosity? All right? Okay, let me check the time here. Who leaves that great legacy of generosity? And, and I'm going to talk about how do you leave a, generos a legacy of generosity. I'm going to read a scripture found in Matthew chapter 25, verses uh, 35 to 36, New King James Version. These are these words written by Paul, by Matthew. For I was hungry, and you gave me, what? Food. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink, right? I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And the apostles and the people around him and all those who are just listening to his teaching says, when were you this way? And what did Jesus said, say? When you were generous in these things to other people, you were generous to me. So when we give to the church, we're not given so that the church can have more money and bigger bank accounts. 
We're giving so that we'll be blessing to the work of the Lord, to the kingdom of God, to the blessings that the church needs. Amen? And, uh, you know, all the years that I was in pastoring, uh, I always told Sharon, I said, our, our goal is to get to where we can just give everything back that the church ever gives. And, but when that happened, your finances have to get in an order, right, and for that to happen. And eventually it did get to the point that we would give more back to the church than the church was paying us. And, and when that happened, it wasn't that I never told anybody. So I can talk about it now because that was years and years and years ago. But at the time, I would never say anything. Matter of fact, we would do a real estate transaction. I'd sell a house that we were doing. And we would flip the house and we'd make $50,000 or $75,000. We were, we were doing flips when nobody did them. Now everybody does flips, right? <laughs> do those flip house deals. Well, we were doing those. And I remember we would do them. And I tell Sharon, I said, honey, if we're going to make about fifty, dollars maybe upward to 100000 on this house. What do we ought to do with it? And she'd say, I don't know. What do you think? I said, I want to give it all to the church, 100%. And she'd say, wow. Well, it's great. And so we'd tell the title company, don't write me a check. Write the check to the church. Then I'd be in the board meetings. This is fun. I'd be in the board meeting. They'd be saying, yeah, I want to let you know. The, the accounting guy would make the report. And he'd say, well, I just want to let you know. Um, we got a big blessing in here. We got a check for $80,000. We don't know who it was from or anything, but we got it. And I'd be sitting there as the pastor, just quiet as can be, <laughs> sitting there saying, Lord, it's so awesome. The, what I received from that without anyone knowing is what was in it for me, Right? Oh, I tell you, I'm not boasting on this stuff. I'm just telling you how it works. Um, who leaves a legacy of generosity? Not just big financial givers. Oh, my goodness. The, the, the little lady, the widow lady, did she leave a legacy of generosity? How many people may think she did say amen? amen? That's right. That was the, one of the greatest examples of generosity that the world's ever seen. Underneath, of course, Jesus being sacrificed. I believe those who share their faith will leave a legacy of generosity. Wow. You mean just witnessing? Telling someone you love Jesus? Telling somebody in the coffee line? By the way, I was healed. I'm standing here today. I shouldn't be. But because God did something, telling someone that, boy, I go to a great church, and I just love my church, and I, I, do you have a church you go to? And I mean, do, do we do that? We've gotten away from that. We've got to just get that in our heart and our mind that when we're out, we just let people know that we're believers, not hokey. Don't take a big Bible out and smack them on the head. They'll smack you back, right? But if you tell them with love, I have a great church, and my husband and I just love it. And we've got two kids we're raising, and they just love it. You know, and we're still thankful. People want that. They'll be drawn to that. Amen? That's a legacy of generosity. Volunteering to help in the church is a legacy of generosity. Giving of our finances cheerfully. Amen. Cheerfully is a, is a legacy of generosity. Um, we need to understand that there's so many examples of people who, who leave a legacy of generosity. My dad... Uh, by the way, today would be my dad's birthday. Of course, he'd be 103 if he was around by then. But it's his birthday, the 28th. And Sharon's birthday was last Sunday, the 21st. And no one in the world will know her birthday, how old she is. That's something we don't discuss. But nonetheless, bottom line, my dad was an amazing, generous man. He had four children. Now, come on, parents. I'm going to give you this challenge. How many have children? Raise your hands. Or had them. Okay. And you got, how many got more than one? Okay, and we know that the Willettes are trying to set a, a new record for pastors <laughs> having the most children. 
<laughs> is she done? I, you know, I, she's, she's going, you know, like that. <laughs> and Pastor Dan's sitting there going, oh. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> the reason I make that comment about the kids is my dad, we had four, he had four children. I was one of them. I, I was his favorite. I guess if he was my dad, I guess I would be one of them. But uh, I was the youngest and the most arrogant punk kid of the bunch. And everybody hated me. Uh, yeah, the, the last child, yeah. I, it's, yeah. And uh, I took advantage of everyone. It was terrible, but I liked it. Anyway, so. <laughs> but my dad loved his four children equally. My sister would be wonderful to him. He loved her. My brother would be horrible to him. He loved him. My other sister would be horrendously bad to him. He loved her. He learned a lesson about raising children. No matter how they treat you, you're going to love them all unconditionally. Now, I know some of you are going, oh, I've gone, my kids are going through some stuff. I would be embarrassed to tell you what my one sister did and the life that she lived, and yet my dad never allowed that to interfere with the love that he had for her. And I was blessed when she was 44 years old after a life of just terrible life, uh, drug addictions, overdose, alcoholism, you name it, you name it, guy after guy after guy, just horrendous life. But my little sister at 44 years of age was in the county hospital dying of an overdose for about the 10th time. At least the 10th time. And the 10th time, I was there at her side praying for her and asking her to repeat the sinner's prayer and give her heart to Jesus. And the nine straight times, nothing happened. And then the 10th visit, I went in there, and it seemed like the rest of them to me. And she prayed, and I left. And I turned around, and I looked, and she was sitting up looking at me. She said, I did it. It's real. Oh, oh, yeah, come on, give the Lord a hand. It's 44 years old. So those of you who have teenagers, come on, hang in there. And, and I went home and told Sharon, I said, honey, my sister gave her heart to Jesus today. I know she did. And she said, okay. Can't blame her. It was nine straight times before that. It never changed anything. I said, I want to take you there. Took her to the hospital. We walked in the room, and there Carol was sitting up in the bed, smile on her face, Good to see you. Radically changed to this day. She's now 80. She was 44. If, yeah. Her drugs have destroyed her body so bad, she walks literally. I can't bend over as far as she bends. She's straight like this. I mean, this goes straight here. And she can't look up. And she walks around like this, barely walks. But if you get down and you say, Carol, how's Jesus? Oh, he's everything to me. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. And she appointed her little shabby little house with her, her son that's not a, a, a good Christian kid. And she'll say, but look what God has given me all this. Because she's got her peace with God. That's, her, that's the generosity that God put in her heart. Wow. Um, the apostles had a legacy of generosity. They gave her what? Friends, family, and business, Right? They gave it all up. King David, he worked the first half of his life becoming filthy rich. I mean, he did a lot of other things, but let's just say about the financial side. He was pretty, pretty wealthy dude, right? 
and he acquired incredible amounts of gold and, and materials and stuff so that he could just give it to his son to build a temple. Isn't that encouraging to you? It is to me. Half of his life, all he ever did was get money, get money, get money, get money. To do what? To glorify God so that when he died, God said, you're not going to get to build a temple, but your son will. So Solomon inherited everything that David had. We talk so much about Solomon being so wealthy and all that, the wealthiest man ever, the most brilliant man ever. Well, he may have been the most brilliant man ever, but he made a couple of mistakes. <laughs> you know, but bottom line, David spent half of his life making it, and then he spent the next half of his life giving it all away. Andrew Carnegie. Anybody heard that name? What's it relate to? Steel. Andrew Carnegie. He was a steel baron, the largest producer of steel in the world. His steel built about 90% of Detroit, New York, Chicago, all the big cities, massive. He, at one time, was the wealthiest man in the world. If he was alive today, Andrew Carnegie would be worth $300 billion. Yeah. $300 billion. He spent the first half of his life. Then he had an encounter with God. God told him, you need to be generous. You've made enough. Enough's enough. Enough's enough. I remember preaching a sermon one time entitled, How Much is Enough When It Comes to Finances? Well, Andrew Carnegie heard that to himself. He didn't get to listen to my message, though. He, just, he was died a little earlier. But bottom line, he realized it. And then what he did, he wrote an article. It was called The Gospel of Wealth. And he said, God only gives so that I can be a giver. God only blesses me so that I can be blessing others. I'm, I, the blessings just come through me. I keep just barely enough to get by, and then boom, the rest of it sends on to take care of other people. And he impacted all the great Morgan, J.P. Morgan, and, and Rockefeller, and all these great, great industrialists, these incredible Westinghouse, and all of them. He went around doing one thing, telling them, enough's enough. And we had the biggest explosion of, anth of, of uh, philanthropy in the entire history of America because one man of wealth realized that enough was enough, and he realized that generosity meant sharing of what he had. And when he died, he had almost nothing left. Barely enough to even pay for the maintenance on his house that he lived in because he caught it, and he understood that, that leaving a legacy of generosity was something he wanted to have. Now... We don't have the money that, Gen that Carnegie had, but we can leave a legacy of generosity from what we have. Amen? I'm going to very quickly give you about five or six steps, very quickly, on how to leave a legacy of generosity. Number one, be a tither at your church. And by the way, I need to say this, tithing is not generosity. Because it's not a sacrifice, it's a requirement to be blessed of God. It's a requirement. If you don't want to be, if you don't care whether God blesses your finances, then don't give your tithe. Just don't give it. And then you're on your own. I always felt like if I gave my tithe, that God was on, on my team with me, right? So become a tither to your church. By the way, tithing makes us a better steward of what we have. Number two, by example, teach our children about generational generosity. Teach them. My dad taught me generational gen generosity when it came to take your, your children. 
And I will not let my kids ever do anything, say anything that will offend me, hurt me, bother me, and, and cause me not to love them because I learned that from my dad. I don't care what they say or do or don't do or don't say. Don't call. It doesn't matter. By the way, I'm, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not really excited about a text that says, Happy birthday, Dad. <laughs> could, could everybody close your eyes a second? I don't want to do witnesses on this. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. How many people here... That's not particularly exciting to see a text, happy birthday. Get your hands up if you think that's a, Okay, not too many of them. There's too many young people here. So anyways. <laughs> number three. <laughs> uh, what can I give from what I have of my talents, my gifts, and my finances? Number four, Philippians 2.35. Think of others as being more important than yourself is how we leave a legacy of generosity. Number five, as much as it depends on you, be at peace with others. Romans 12, 18. It's the legacy of generosity. Oh, number six. I guess I lied. I said five. Stop thinking what is in life for me. Most of life is that way. Now stay with me. I'm closing. Stay with me. Everybody here came to church for a specific reason. One of those, part of that reason is, what's in it for me? That's okay. You know, that's okay. I go to a church because of what? What's in it for me? Because if we get to the right church, then your what's in it for me will have the right motives. If you're not happy in your church and you're not contributing to your church, then there's nothing in it for you because you're giving nothing to it. Right? And so we've got to understand that, ladies, when you go to the store to buy clothing, and by the way, my wife is really doing a good job of that lately. She is just doing a great job. <laughs> Keep on moving, right? Keep on moving. She says, honey, do you like the new dress you just bought me? When did, we, when did I buy it for you? Last week. <laughs> but the thing of it is, when you go shopping for clothes, isn't there at least a tiny little thought, what's in it for me? What, do I, what do I, am I going to look like? Why do we need mirrors then? And there's nothing wrong with that. You're getting quiet because you think that's bad. It's not bad that, that there's something in it for us, right? When we give to the Lord, what we're being blessed is that our church is prospering. When I would take an offering from the church, I never got a pay raise because I took a big offering from the church. I just got paid. And whatever I got paid, I got paid. It didn't really matter what came in. The board didn't say, well, there's big one there. Another, here's another five grand in your pocket. Never happened. When someone gave a big donation of a 500000 or 200000 or something like that, I didn't get a raise. So there was nothing in it for me that way. But there was something in it for me is that my church was being blessed. So when you get this book out there, generosity, what's in it for me, you're gonna be, your eyes are going to open up. Because in writing it, matter of fact, the reason that book was written, Pastor Ballou came to me a number of years ago. He's the senior pastor now over the Dream City Churches. And he doesn't pastor our particular campus because we have a local uh, campus pastor there named Dave Ansel, and a great guy. Uh, and him and I are good friends, good buddies, and I still sit. All I did when we, when we stepped down, <laughs> I, we used to sit right here, remember, forever and ever. And I sit here now, and Sharon sits here. Why do you think I did that? Why do you think I did that? Show support. 
you can have it. It's your spot and still be 100% behind the church. You know, I was told you can't do church mergers because it never works and everybody just fights and whatever, and the church falls apart and the church splits. And I said, really? So they don't believe that all things are possible with God. And I, and I said, well, we're, we're not going to make this work. And so I talked to Pastor Luke. I said, I'm not going. He said, I don't want you to go. He said, you know too many people here. I want you to show that you're supporting what we're doing. And so that's what we do. And we're there constantly. I mean, I probably miss maybe two Sundays a year, honestly. And we can travel all that we want. But we just don't because I want to bless the church, right? And so the reason I made that comment is that... Um, the what's in it for me comments and made so strong today is that I, it's a good thing as long as our motives are right. What's in it for me, I want my wife to have a pretty dress. What's in it for me, I want my kids to go to school. What's in it for me, I want God to bless the church and I want the financial burdens that we have to be met. I want to be a part of that. That's what's in it for us. All right. I close with this thought. Roman or Proverbs chapter 19 verse 17. Listen to this. This is this this should have been the whole sermon just this one. I almost switched to the whole sermon just on this one verse. If you help the poor, Proverbs 17:19, you lend to God. Did it say you give to God? No. It says you lend to God. That means he owes me. Does God pay his debts? Don't get mad at me. Don't say I'm messing with the Bible. You go read it yourself, all right? That is the New Living Translation. It says when you give to the poor, you're lending to God, and God always repays his debts, his obligations, and what he says he'll do for us. So you cannot give God. Test him and see if that's true. Just give to him. I'm not saying put $100 in the bucket and expect a $1,000 you know, check when you get home. It could happen, but I wouldn't be waiting for it. I wouldn't be concerned about that either. But, but if you help the poor, you lend to God. Lend to God <laughs> generously, and then you'll reap the reward. Close your eyes and bow your heads. Father, thank you for this opportunity I've had. I've gone a little longer than I normally do, Lord, but I was told I could go a little longer. So I pray now that you would bless what I spoke today, Lord. With all eyes closed and heads bowed, I'm sure there's people here that I just want to ask them some questions without people looking around. First of all, how many people here felt like you needed that message today to understand generosity better? Raise your hand right now. Let me see it. Oh, that's wonderful. And how many people here, with all eyes closed, you got some financial struggles? That you're fi be honest. With, come on, just be, be real honest before God. That's so important. Get your hands down now. Now I'm going to pray a prayer. And I'm going to ask you to pray it with me. And I'm going to include all that stuff in it. But something even more important than that is, and I want to be sure that everyone here knows they're absolutely positive they're going to go to heaven. I went, did a funeral the other day for a 90-year-old woman. We had 220 or 30 people there. And when I gave the altar call, well over 150 people raised their hand and prayed a prayer to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That was one of the most amazing funerals that I've ever done. And there may only be one person here that, that will raise their hand when I ask you to pray this. And that'll be fine. And maybe some won't raise their hand, but bottom line, you know in your heart that you change. So I want you to repeat this prayer with me. And if you'll repeat it with a contrite heart, all right, a heart true to God, with your eyes closed and not looking around, because I don't want someone to look up and, say you're, and see you staring at them. That's the only reason. 
that makes them feel uncomfortable. We don't need to do that. So with your eyes closed and heads bowed, repeat this prayer after me. And if you're not sure of your relationship with the Lord, we can settle that before you leave here today. Everyone repeat this prayer. Heavenly Father, I need a Savior. I need you to touch my heart and my life and my finances and the challenges that I face. So, Father, I come to you. And this day, I repent of my sins. I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And he generously gave his life for me. So that I could have eternal life with him. So on this day, I ask Jesus to come into my heart, into my mind, and make me a new creation in Christ. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep your heads down and eyes closed. One little thing. Before you prayed that prayer, you were not 100% positive. You weren't really sure that you were going to heaven or not. You weren't sure if you were right with God. But you prayed that and you know that something happened. And, and when you prayed that prayer, you, you may have questions. That's okay. The church is here to help you with your questions. But you prayed that prayer, and for the first time, you really believe that you've either given your life to Christ and accepted him, or you've recommitted your life to him. I want you to raise your hand right now. Get him up right now all over this house. I thank you for that, and I thank you for that, Father. I thank you for that, Lord. Father, bless them and keep them. I pray that your face would shine upon them. Yes, I see that hand. Be gracious to them, Father, and bless them. And for, Lord, Lord, those who are recommitted their life to you or gave their heart to you today, I pray that they'd get into this church and be a part of it and grow in the Lord and get into a good Bible study and listen to Pastor Dan and Pastor Joy and what they have to say and the elders of the church. Bless them. Thank you for this opportunity, Father, and I'll be careful to give you all the praise for what took place. Thank you for being here today, and thank you for those who committed their life to you, I pray. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. come on, give the Lord a big hand clap of praise, if you will. God bless you all. One of you guys, come on up here, or both of you, whatever. God bless you so much.